Bring spring color inside this season with Bear Premium Plus paint, starting at just $28.98 a gallon at the Home Depot. Add a pop of blue to your kitchen with the Bear exclusive color Arrowhead Lake or a splash of Amazon jungle to your living room. Bring a cool breeze to your bathroom with sea glass or accent your bedroom with sunrise-inspired colors like coral cloud and dark crimson. Let your creativity bloom this spring with Bare Premium Plus paint starting at just $28.98 a gallon at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Hello, friends. Jack, Flight School O'Brien here, uh, also known as Jack. Still can touch Ned if I get a running start and haven't eaten heavy breakfast. O'Brien, uh, both nicknames that I go by. Inviting you to check out Miles and Jack Got Mad Boosties for a weekly basketball conversation with me and my co-host from the Daily Zeitgeist, Miles Gray. We are joined by comedians, writers, podcasters, and fellow NBA fans as we discuss the latest news and events from around the league. Check it out. Miles and Jack Got Mad Boosties. Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Go behind the wheel, under the hood, and beyond with Car Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hi, and welcome to Car Stuff. I'm Scott. I'm Ben. We are joining up, as always, with our super producer, Tyler Klang, and boy, howdy. I know I've said it in the past, Scott, but you and I are pretty lucky to live in Atlanta, Georgia, as car enthusiasts. You think so? I think we could do worse. Oh, I think we could too. I mean, we see a lot of uh, a lot of variety, right? Mm-hmm. Um, primarily import cars. It's not really a lot of American built cars down here. I mean, you may, you notice a stark difference between like traveling from here to like Detroit, where I've been several times in the past several months. Yeah, and uh, it's it's remarkable the difference in the type of cars and and trucks that you see on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we see a lot of exotics. We see um, well a lot of cars that are good year round, which is really nice. You know, a lot of mm-hmm. sports cars. People driving convertibles practically year round. All the time. Motorcycles year-round. We're in a pretty good environment, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah not bad at all. Definitely a, a good climate. Now, I will say the summer gets a little rough for me, man. I always try to uh, take whatever car I'm driving uh, in just for, a, just for a check before the heat really sets in mm-hmm. because, you know, nothing worse than – uh, hot Atlanta summer and no AC. Oh yeah, you got to make sure that AC is ice cold when it's uh, when it's time to use it. Yeah, so I mean, I think we do live in a great environment for mm-hmm. for I guess an auto enthusiast really. I mean, mm-hmm. the roads are nice, right? I mean, they, we don't have to deal with the freeze thaw thing that they do up in the north as well. That's that's true, and I hear the cops have finally gotten a lead on whatever gang of miscreants it is that goes around and puts those stupid metal sheets over <laughs> various arbitrary patches of road. Those are our, our main complaints, I guess. That congestion, right? Some oh, yeah. densely populated city. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're approaching 7 million in the greater Atlanta area or something like that. Wow. Uh, somewhere near there. It's around 6 or 7, mm-hmm. but it's it's a lot, a lot of people. And those are some of the uh, you know statistics and some of the things that we're going to cite today in our episode. And this is just to be up front with everybody. Mm. Uh, this is what's going on. We, we 
last time. Our, our episode focused mainly on the 10 most expensive countries to buy and own a car. Right. Okay, so we, we only got through these 10 countries, and we talked about it at the end of the episode where we were hoping to get to – uh, the United in the United States, the states and the cities that uh-huh. were the best and worst to drive a car or own a car. And then later on, I was thinking, wait a minute, this sounds really, really <laughs> familiar. So I went back to my desk and I looked through my huge pile of notes, and I found that we did something very similar in August, I believe, August ninth of twenty seventeen. So this very year, uh, we did a best worst cities to drive in episode. Ooh. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. I thought, well, oh, shoot, that kind of blows today's topic out of the water. We've already done this, right? Not so much the case because the, the last time that we did this, uh, it was, again, August, we followed a, a brand-new Wallet Hub study, a Wallet, mm-hmm. Wallet Hub analysis of lots of different cities in the United States, all the major cities in the United States. And they did a top 100, you know, from, from best to worst or worst to best, however you want to look at it. And we covered the entire gamut of – what they look for in that study. I mean, like all the criteria that they have. So much stuff. A lot of it's understandable, but they really drill down to a point where uh, some of it seems, I don't know, a little – it's like they're overdoing it, you know. How many hot dog stands are on every corner? Mm -hmm. No, no, they didn't do that. (laughs) But But they they did do – Car washes. Yes. They did car washes. It was – I mean, there there were three or four main categories. It was like cost of ownership and maintenance – uh, there was, um, of course, traffic and infrastructure. There was safety, access to vehicles and maintenance. And, and again, things like, you know, car washes were there, car dealerships per capita. There was quality of roads, quality of bridges. Um, no way I'm going to read all these, Ben. There's, there's a hundred of them, it seems. Uh, but there were also, um, auto maintenance costs and, and average car insurance premiums. And, you know, things like that were discussed. Now, some of that is going into, Today's study, the one that we're going to read, that has, a, again, a completely different list for sure. the best cities for driving or best cities to own a car. That's mm-hmm. also one of the differences. The last time we talked about it, it was the best and worst cities to drive in. Now, tell me if there's any difference here because I don't know if there really is. Today, we're going to talk about the best and worst states and cities to own a car. I argue that there is a deceptively large difference because – Look, honestly, if you – just for an example, Scott, if you were to purchase a car in um, a a very car-friendly state Mm -hmm. and you were to drive through California – you know, depending on the part of California you go through, uh, you're not going to run into a lot of the expenses you would have were you to own a car in California. There's a very important difference there. Oh, I get it. Okay. Yeah, you're still going to pay way more in gas than you're used to. So we're talking about taxes. We're talking about insurance premiums, sure. things like that. Registration, all of it. Yeah. Okay. All right. I get it. All right. So maybe that is the difference and we'll, we'll talk about you know what makes each state and each city kind of difficult for car ownership or, or really good for car ownership. Mm-hmm. And and I promise we'll get to that. But I do wanted to, I just wanted to make sure that everybody knew this, that the the last time we went through this list, the, the best cities on the list, uh, the, the list that we're going to have today is almost completely different. They only share one common city. So if you go back and listen to our August 9th episode, you're going to be confused. But again, listen to the entire list of, of criteria that we had for the best and worst cities yeah. last time, and it's different than what we're going to talk about today. And now, the, on the other hand, the worst cities for driving – the list is nearly the same. It's, it only has three <laughs> variations. There are three different cities that are on this list today that were not on the previous list, you know, that, that are yeah. substituted out for those. And uh, I don't even know if it's worth going through them, but seven out of ten are the same on the worst list. I would say it's probably best for us to either laundry list them or just point out the three newcomers. 
Yeah. Because someone is listening to this show and remembers our past episode and you thought you got away. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, but uh, there's no safety in uh, in waiting just a couple months, especially when we've got access to so many different lists. There's lists like this out there everywhere. Now, I, I want to also point out, just to be transparent about this, is that this list that we're going to go through today, these, these two lists that we're going to talk about, the worst cities and the, the worst states, best and worst, uh, come from – you know, about a year prior, 2016. I guess you know. I want to actually. The states list comes from about 2011. I don't think this has changed all that much because it does have a lot to do with taxes. It has a lot to do with uh, with cost, total cost of ownership. Yeah. It, minor changes. So some of these might be jockeyed around a little bit, but but really, to me, one of the most interesting lists is the ten worst cities to own a car. Right. And, and we'll follow that up with the best cities as well. Um, but but I just think that. It's kind of fascinating that you can get so many different opinions from so many different places. And again, it just has to deal with, uh, you know, the, the set of numbers that they're looking at. Everybody makes the statistics work either to their advantage or disadvantage. Oh, yeah. It reminds me of that old uh, quote Mark Twain used to throw around. I, and I don't think he's the actual source of it. I think it was the British Prime Minister Benjamin Disraeli said, uh, there are three kinds of lies. Lies damned lies, and statistics. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. Sure, yeah. yeah. Keep that in mind throughout this whole thing. Now, Ben, before we jump into today's topics, as mm. as like as I always like to do, yeah. maybe we should uh, have a little bit of a chit-chat about some things that have happened recently because um, only a couple of things. All right. right. Yeah. Minor, but I, but I thought, you know, somewhat interesting, somewhat car-related, so I thought I'd bring this up. First one is a real shocker. This happened to me on Sunday night. I was, uh, I was taking my kid to, uh, you know, Sunday evening teen thing at a, at a church, local church. It's a uh-huh. big mega church type place, you know. Sure, sure. And uh, the week prior, I had had her in the parking lot there. We were practicing driving. It has this enormous parking lot. And they have, even have cones in a trailer that we can, you know, just kind of borrow for an hour or two to, to kind of set up in the parking lot for, for practice, right? Oh, that's cool. So I don't have to buy my own cones for driving practice. Yeah, right? yeah, so yeah. So it's really interesting. So it's fun, fun place to go. And, you know, this is all with their knowledge. They know you can do it. Is she driving your car? Uh, she is, yes. Oh, man. Driving my car, yeah. <laughs> It's going well, very well. She's yeah. actually very adept at it. You're not doing that thing where you push the phantom brake, are you? No, no, no. I don't do that. She's uh, she's actually quite controlled. Really, it's, it's it's impressive to see her progress. Well, that's great to yeah. hear, man. Yeah. What happened? Um, so here's what happened. We were there, and and you know, part of the driveway was blocked off for for you know, there's like almost like a main road that goes through the middle of this thing. It's a big place. Mm-hmm. So we noticed that it was it was blocked off, and you know, we just kind of avoided it for that day. It was easy enough to get around, and I didn't know what they were doing. It's a little bit of light construction. So Sunday, you know, this last Sunday, this is a week later, um, I'm driving through the parking lot. I'm a few minutes late to pick her up, you know, which turned out not to be a big deal. Everything was running late anyways. But I'm going a little faster than I probably should have through the parking lot. <laughs> okay. And I found out what the construction was, and it was unmarked. So as I'm driving, you know, I'm not going really, really fast, but maybe, you know, in a parking lot, 25, 30, that's kind of quick. You're doing like the the auto equivalent of power walking. <laughs> that's right. Without that ridiculous arm and, and hip wiggle. It is a ridiculous arm yeah, and hip yeah. wiggle. I'll <laughs> just objectively say that. I was not doing that. But, okay. uh, but I was going probably a little bit too fast in the parking lot, I admit. But it, it's dark out, of course. And suddenly I hit this speed bump that was not there before. And it's not one of those like little, you know, little bump speed bumps. Mm-hmm. This is where they, you know, elevate a little bit of a sidewalk from curb to curb on each side. So it becomes like one of those, it's like a rise, a four, not 45, but, you know, a steep angle rise. Yeah. And then a four or five foot section for the sidewalk and then another drop off on the other side. It's one of those, uh, I think they call them a speed hump or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I hit that stupid thing at about 30 miles an hour. <laughs> and I had no – until I was midway through the air, I think, I didn't realize it. Like, I mean, I didn't realize what was going on. It was just like it appeared out of nowhere. You caught some air? I, I, unintentionally, yes. And I was super ticked off about it. Yeah. I mean, there were no markings. It was all brand new. Um, you know, and, and man, I, I, mean, I was thinking like there's no way I got through this without – Messed up the de- Destroying something. Yeah. Destroying something. I heard a little bit of scrape, you know, as I hit the other side. Uh, it wasn't wasn't the front bumper or anything like that. But, I mean, I think it was in the air just a tiny little bit over that bump. Man, because isn't it – aren't they legally required to paint it or I, somehow it was, somehow indicate that it it's was a speed hump? sidewalk color, but it was a dark night, you know, and I don't even know if it was like – I can't remember why it was so dark. It was maybe misty or something. I don't remember. But uh, but it just seemed like it just appeared out of nowhere. Is your car okay? Uh, it seems like it's all right. But I'm I'm just so nervous uh, right now. I need any, to get under there, man. Any little sound I hear now, I'm thinking like, that's oh, <laughs> that stupid bump that I hit. All right. right. All and right. a lot of times an undercarriage gets messed up or scraped, even if it's just like the a bottom bumper piece, mm-hmm. what can happen is that it will appear to drive normally until you, you know, until it wears down over time. And yeah. next thing you know, maybe even like three weeks later, I've seen it happen to people where they get on the interstate, they get above, let's say, 45, 55. I'm not, I know. I'm, oh, Ben, you're I'm, killing me. I'm, I'm sorry, man, but it is worth checking because then, you know, you might have a piece fall off. We've all seen that. Well, thankfully, I mean, I've been on the highway at highway speeds and I think it's okay. There's no shake or anything like that. And surprisingly, it turns well. It doesn't make any noises or anything like that. So I was more concerned about maybe, you know, accidentally knocking off the uh, the drain plug for my crankcase or something like that. You know, this, I, was, I was worried that I was going to lose all the oil all over the parking lot right there or something like that would happen. A, a coolant hose would break for yeah. me or something. So it seems like everything's worked out okay. I'll, I'll, I'll keep you updated. Yeah, please do, man. Please do. <laughs> okay, and this is the last one. We'll make this one quick. But this okay. is something absolutely ridiculous that I saw on one of my recent trips up north. All right. So I'm stopped at a gas station, you know, just fueling up and going to get a soft drink or something. I came back out, and there's a guy that is kind of messing around with the, the this car that's on a trailer, and it's one of those tow dolly trailers. So it's, you know, two wheels up, yeah. two wheels down in the back. It's towed behind a, a pickup truck. Right. It's an older Dodge Stratus. It was like a light green, kind of like a mist green color. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was clearly like a salvage car, you know, a wrecked car. You know, so missing pieces and things like that. This car, Ben was on four Space Saver spare tires. Four. And I've never, what? I've never ever in my life seen a car <laughs> on four Space Saver spares. <laughs> what? And so, he's, he's towing it down the road like that. Now, if it was four wheels down, it would look even more ridiculous. It yeah. already looked ridiculous on this trailer. I, I have thought about that, but I don't think I've ever seen that in real life. And the, <laughs> the reason uh, you all heard my delayed reaction out there, friends and neighbors, is because I thought I would have a moment to uh, sip some coffee away from the microphone. Yeah, that was nearly a spit take moment there. That was. Yeah. That was. It was pretty four, close. Yeah. Four space savers. So it's those real thin little ones and right. the ones that are undersized. Mm-hmm. And they had, you know, there's a variety on this car. Clearly, it's like just a, a trying to get it from... One junkyard to the next junkyard. It doesn't or have like a that. matching set. <laughs> no, it's not a match. Not a matching set. It didn't even look like a good set of of four, you know, space saver spares. It was just it was ridiculous looking. Some had the big yellow sticker on the side. You oh, know, that wow. warns you don't go over what forty five miles right, an hour or something exactly. like that. Thirty five or, or over uh, a particular amount of miles. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, I never saw it on the road. He, he, you know, of course, our our 
the times that we were passing, he was in the, the gas station. I wasn't on the street with him at any point. But um, yeah, we're going down. I, I mean, that's I seventy five was the main road right there. I'm hoping that he was staying, you know, on the smaller roads, you know, not on the on the main highway. Yeah, but ridiculous. It was it was just absolutely ridiculous to see this car with four space saver spares. I mean, that's insane, and I. I... I'm so curious to hear the story of that car. Did the Stratus look beat up? Did it oh, look yeah. like a junkyard? Oh, it was terrible. Yeah, it was missing pieces. It was uh, it looked like it, you know had been in several accidents. Okay. It was just scrap metal. You know, there was there was uh, um, you know the ink pen writing on the windows, and you know it was, it was so, definitely it was destined for the shredder, possibly. So somebody at the yard probably just tossed those tires on. Yeah, from sure. The wall of spares because they were going to try to resell. Uh, any worthwhile tires. Yeah, or components or whatever. Yeah, yeah, you're right. They probably nabbed the tires for something else and then they had, you know, this, these four random tires laying around that fit. So they just put those on. I think and, it's just do what you can with it, you know? Yeah. And this brings us to a, uh, a very important moral that people don't say often enough. If you have a car that has a spare tire in the trunk, it doesn't, it doesn't take very long at all as long as your trunk is relatively clean. Before you hop in and drive today, whenever you're listening to this, go ahead and open the trunk. Just, just check on your spare tire. Yeah, you know, that's a, good, that's a good lesson because you remember when we left for the road rally uh, uh-huh. with Rally North America last year? Yeah. Uh, I checked the spare right before we left. Zero pounds of pressure in it. Someone had not inflated the, the spare tire, and it's supposed to have like an, an excessive amount of pressure, right. it, you know, an extra amount of air yeah. pressure. And uh, so I corrected that right away before the trip. I felt a lot better about it. Uh-huh. Now, I haven't checked it recently, so I don't know if it's you know, <laughs> back down again. But um, it's not unusual for, to see people on the side of the road with a bad spare. You know, they, they've got mm-hmm. no air in the tire. Or, you know, it's, it's down because it's cold weather or something like that. You know, and that's not good as well. And not to be all curmudgeonly about it, but it seems like I've noticed, I'm relatively young, but I've, I've noticed that even over my time as a driver, people are less and less likely to stop and help a stranded motorist. Mm-hmm. We've just heard too much stuff about what can go wrong or how it can be a con. Well, right now, it's a lot easier just to make a phone call with your with your cell phone as you pass yeah. and alert somebody to where the, the trouble's happening and then allow, you know, the authorities or the, uh, you know, the hero crews, you know, the uh, the highway road assistance guys. Oh, highway emergency road. Something like that. Yeah. Hero. That's hero. what they call them here. There's, there are different things in different cities, I know. But um, – yeah, it's just easier to let them with, you know, their compressors and their uh, – they probably even carry a spare tire just for that situation, I would guess. Yeah. Gallon well, of gas, that kind of thing. Yeah, gallon of gas, probably spare tire, definitely copious amounts of fix-a-flat. Mm-hmm. Which sure. also, if you happen to check your trunk and you are one of those lucky car owners who has a can of fix-a-flat – Instead of a spare tire. And a mini electric compressor. Right. Then <laughs> uh, consider getting a different car. Just going to say it. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I think we've, uh, we've, we've wasted enough time here at the beginning. But, I, but those were kind of, kind of interesting, that right? That wasn't a waste of time. Oh, uh, okay. Sometimes I wonder. I didn't mean to uh, – I didn't mean to get into your head about some kind of disastrous highway driving thing. Yeah. It sounds like your car's fine. Well, maybe. I'm going to have to really put it through its test now. But uh, but I'm going to be cautious for the next few months maybe. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and uh, go ahead and go ahead and uh, you know, just get a lawsuit to the church anyway. Do like emotional distress. <laughs> So uh, uh, I'm not the litigating type. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the same page with you there. All man. right. Uh, but be that as it may. 
uh, when we're talking about emotional distress. Uh, Scott, do you want to tell us some of the uh, worst places to own a car here in the United States? Can you want me to just come right out and just say the worst states? <laughs> you want me to just do it? Yeah. I mean, I, I will, and we'll get to the why in just a moment. Sure. But but uh, let's just start with the best. How about that? Let's start positive here. So, okay, yeah. The, the best states, according to Edmunds.com, is uh, New Hampshire. That's number one. Mm-hmm. South Dakota and South Carolina. Those are the top three, which doesn't necessarily match up with our list last time, as I, as I mentioned. Now, we're just talking about states here, not cities just yet. Uh, the most exp- uh, most expensive states to own a car. We've kind of talked about that already, right? They have them listed as Hawaii, number one, California, and then Alaska. Mm-hmm. Now, California is kind of the outlier in this, right? You would think that the, the distant locations of Hawaii and Alaska would make sense. Right. And additionally, I mean, Hawaii makes sense just because it's an island. Everything has to be imported. So gas is going to be more expensive. Parking's going to be tight. I'm sure that going back to our earlier conversation, the fees and the insurance are going to be much higher. Alaska makes sense not just because of distance and maybe not even just because of, of gas prices, but because the weather is so punishing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're looking at a much more frequent maintenance cycle. And a relatively sparse population, which means that you're typically having to uh, take a vehicle a farther, a further distance, farther distance for any type of repairs or maintenance, things like that. You know, it's mm. not that it's not that everybody's going to live right in the same small town and have you know th- that easy option like we often do here in the uh, in the lower 48 or elsewhere around the world, I guess for that matter. Mm-hmm. All right. So the idea is that you know if you bought a car in Alaska or Hawaii, you'd, you'd expect it to cost more if you bought it like in you know like a midwestern state, you know Michigan or Ohio, but. Of course, one of the reasons I guess we we have to talk about it is freight cost. You know, getting the vehicle to you know to that location, a brand right, new vehicle. Right. That's one thing. But gas prices are higher in different states. You also expect um, the car just to cost more in the long run. But here's the question, Ben. This is the main question in this uh, in this this article from Forbes. It comes from Forbes.com, by the mm-hmm. way. Why should it cost? <laughs> this is this is an unbelievable number. Why should it cost $9,000 more to own and operate a car in Connecticut than it does in New Hampshire, which is just 100 or so miles up the road? Nine grand. 9,000 more. And you could just go, if you just were to live, you know, 100 miles down the road in New Hampshire, uh, you would have a, a $9,000 cheaper uh, burden from that vehicle. I don't know if that's right. the best way to say it or not. But this all comes from um, Edmunds.com. They have kind of a, a proprietary formula that they have called the true cost own. Mm-hmm. And I guess you can call it the total cost of ownership or whatever, but they call it the official true cost own. And in that formula, I mean, well, here's you have to understand this too. New Hampshire has no sales tax. All right. So, so that right away is a, is a huge benefit. Yeah. Um, the cost of everything from insurance to, to fuel and maintenance is also lower there. So imagine if you bought a $29,000 car, uh, that would end up costing you $49,890 in this uh, true cost to own um, formula over five years if you live in Connecticut. But if you lived in New Hampshire, you know, with the, the again, no sales tax and, you know, cheaper fuel, cheaper maintenance, everything, insurance, that same vehicle would only cost you $40,602. So just a hundred miles away, but you can't just you can't you know say say that you uh, you live in um, Connecticut. You can't just drive to New Hampshire and buy the car and expect the same thing to happen because you've got your own state's uh, taxes and insurance and gas and all that. I mean, it's not practical to do everything a hundred miles away or to even have a separate a separate, <laughs> a separate right. address. 
you know, for stuff like this. I mean, that's a little bit, uh, you know, I don't know. That's, that's, that's a, a little that's cheating. That's a gray area. Well, yes, people do it. I know, but um, you know, you probably should do it. People do that for stuff like, you know, in in-state tuition, you know, things like that, or school. You know, just going to uh, an elementary school. They they claim uh, that they they live They've in a different their district. Second cousins. Address or something, yeah, yeah, that's PO box or something, you know, right? That's pretty common. Yeah. Or it used to be. I think there's, I think more authorities are aware of the PO box trick. Yeah, now. but the truth is, you're not going to drive 100 miles to, let's say, to have your car serviced. You know, right. if you can have it serviced in your own hometown, I mean, sure, it sounds like it sounds like a smart thing to do. I mean, it would take take you half a day to do it, but uh, you know, to save a, a pile of money on maintenance, but. Really, when it comes down to it, your time is probably worth more than that. Just to stay in town and have it done there. It's a little more expensive, but that's just the way it works out. But that's the thing. I would say it's a smart thing to tell someone else to do, but like a lot of advice, I probably wouldn't do it. Well, I'd be glad to tell someone to do it. Yeah, sure. And, and of course, you know, the heavy costs come in, you know, with the, the adding of sales tax and the insurance, which is higher. Um, you know, the fuel costs, which are higher. You know, you don't want to drive. You can't drive 100 miles to buy fuel. That's uh-huh. that's totally impractical too. So um, there's a lot of good reasons why this list is the way it is. So um, you know the, the prices, as we said, they vary state by state, and there's also you know regional incentives like de- you know for destination and freight charges. They they vary from the distance the car has to be shipped. Now you might be surprised to learn that you know cars in Detroit are, are <laughs> they, they often have shipping costs, but they're yeah. not nearly as much as it would be if you were to ship a car to Alaska, say. Yes. I mean, or but let's say if car is an import, it's coming from overseas. Of course, it's going to be a higher shipping cost or shipping fee than a car that arrives from you know something that's built in Mexico or something that is built in um, I don't know Minnesota or wherever, right? Wherever uh-huh. these these assembly factories are. So I guess we need to talk about this formula just a little bit, if that's sure. all right. Yeah, the true cost to own. Yes, exactly. So this formula takes note of where you live, and it calculates your average five-year cost for depreciation, financing, taxes, fees, insurance premium, fuel costs, maintenance and repairs on a range of all like new and used vehicles. So you can go to Edmunds.com and, and check out this calculator that they have, and it will tell you what it, it costs to own a vehicle for five years based on mm-hmm. all these factors. But you have to Im- include a bunch of – not a bunch, but a certain amount of personal information, uh, you know, just the state and city that you live in. It's not anything really – you know, you don't have to give them your social, social or yeah, yeah. your phone number or anything like that. But, <laughs> um, the Edmonds analysts come up with a, a series of uh, weighted averages by state, and that's how they determine, you know, what the best and worst states are. Now, we've told you the best ones are New Hampshire, South Dakota, and South Carolina. Um, Hawaii, California, and Alaska are the most expensive, with Hawaii being the number one most expensive state. But the gap, th- this is really interesting, the gap between the cheapest state, which is, of course, New Hampshire, and then the most expensive, which is Hawaii, Sheesh. $13,000 is the average gap. Right, and – the weird thing is, although that's the most extreme version, mm-hmm. there's a disturbing amount of variation state to state. And mm-hmm. it's all – it all goes back to taxes, fees, costs of insurance. So in Oregon, for instance, or Oregon, which is apparently the way I'm supposed to be pronouncing this. <laughs> I don't know how – I used to live in uh, – I'd say Oregon, Ohio. Oh, yeah? It was right outside of Toledo, yeah. But, but when I say Oregon, I get, you know, the raised eyebrows from the guy here in the office that was from the state of Oregon. Yeah. But that's the guy who also says Oregon. <laughs> Wait, what is this? Is this like know. his word? Tomato, tomato. 
Sure, but tomato, obviously. Sure, of course. <laughs> so uh, just write in and let me know if you are if you are a resident of Oregon or Oregon. Tell me how you prefer it to be. Let's use them interchangeably here. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah, let's right. uh, let's switch it up. So, point being, if you live in that state, if you live in Oregon, you will pay an average of just one hundred and twenty nine dollars in fees yearly. Mm-hmm. But in Arizona, if with all other factors being the same, Ugh. you're looking at an average of $4,346 in fees. Whoa, huge difference there. I mean, really big difference. So, but the insurance, if you look at the insurance numbers, is cheapest in South Dakota with about $4,723. Because there, there the are average. like no other cars to hit, right? <laughs> yeah, that might be the case. <laughs> yeah, something like that. And the most expensive state to insure a car is Alaska again, believe it or not. About an average of about $11,481. That's what always startles me. I know it makes, it makes sense when we think about it. Uh, now these are five year totals. We should. These mention. are five. Yes, that is okay. true. Yeah, yeah. That is not, that is not a, uh, you're not getting hit up for $12,000 every year. No, no, no. But to the point, it seems strange to me that Alaska is such an expensive state to live in. Yeah. I know the math makes sense and the geography makes sense and it does work out, but I just always expected it to be a state that was hungry for people to live there, you know? Sure, yeah. And if you want people to move to a state, shouldn't you try to lower those fees? Yeah, give them a little incentive, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wet the whistle a little, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's not just for corporate or corporations, right? I mean, it should offer some of that to uh, to citizens as well. Yeah, and the the this problem is not just restricted to uh, those states we named. In West Virginia and Louisiana, uh, five years of insurance also runs you about eleven grand. Ooh, but a lot cheaper if you're here in Georgia or North Dakota, where you pay about half of that amount. So half of that amount—that's crazy, isn't it? Yes. I mean, you pay one hundred percent more for uh, for insurance, and in, in depending on which state you live in, and some of these states are close. And then labor rates for service technicians can vary as well. So your local mechanic, again, all other things being the same except for the state in which you live, your local mechanic may have a different rate for the exact same uh, fix, the exact same repair. And we also have to take into consideration some of the states that have no sales tax. There's a lot of states that have no sales tax. So that means that parts cost less right up front. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And – we don't have to get too, too bogged down in this. You can kind of see where – you can kind of see the snowball effect. You can sure. see where this is going. Uh, this sort of stuff also impacts, for instance, a car loan. So if you go to uh, crazy super producer Tyler's new and used Mustangs and you go to the one in New Hampshire – you're going to get a better deal than you would if you went to the one in Arizona. This is a national franchise, by the way. Hmm. National franchise. I get you. Yeah. I didn't know that he was uh, he was quite the uh, the used car baron. Oh, new and used car baron. New right? and used. Yeah. New and used. <laughs> They're new it. when you buy them. They're used <laughs> when they leave the lot. <laughs> keeping it secret from us, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean you pay higher sales tax and more interest on your car loan if you buy a more expensive vehicle. I mean it makes sense, right? I mean it, 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 all this really is pretty – Pretty yeah, pretty straightforward stuff. I mean, you know that prices are different. You know, like let's say that you've been on a, a long road trip and you notice that you know as you cross the state line, suddenly gas is fifty cents more a gallon. 
that happens all the time. And you think, what the heck is the deal around you know around my hometown? I'm paying uh, let's make something up two fifteen a gallon, mm-hmm. and I get up here you know to the northern states, and it's uh, two eighty five a gallon. What gives? You know, right. why, why is that? But that's not just it's not just the, the gasoline that they're paying more for. They're also sometimes it depends on the city, I guess. It, you know, if it's you live in a in a big metro area that has high crime rate, theft, you know, et cetera, um, vandalism, whatever, you're going to pay more for insurance just because of your zip code mm-hmm. than than if you live outside of that city, you know, in a, in a small suburb that's you know forty or fifty miles north of there, or in a completely different state. We're talking about states so far. We're going to get to cities very soon, but let's do that after the first break from our sponsor. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. You fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for 40% off site-wide at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. And here's where uh, it gets 
even stranger. I, I have this obsession with the bizarre statistics we discover whenever we look into, you know, the best or worst place to drive, the amount of car accidents, the mm-hmm. amount of thefts, uh, the, you know, the ease or difficulty of navigating through traffic. Mm-hmm. And you and I have found some some pretty interesting stuff here. There's there's this weird contradiction between the best cities to live in. You know, you'll see numerous studies on that every – seems like every other month. But uh, the best cities to live in often turn out to be some of the worst cities to own a car in. Yeah, isn't that strange? I was noticing the exact same thing as we went through here because some of these are earmarked as, you know, it's the ninth best place. Uh, according to U.S. News and World Report, that's who we're following here in, in this um, in this list, the 10 worst cities to own a car. And we'll follow it up with best cities. But, uh, yeah, it's weird that the worst cities to own a car are oftentimes the best places to live. And it just seems like a, a strange mix. But I, I guess they don't really have to be in the same column, you know. I mean, <laughs> right. they, they don't have to be. I mean, a lot, a lot of times we'll find that public tra- – they in all of these, they'll give us an alternate, like a public transportation version sure. or a lot of people bike or, you know, walk or whatever. But we'll, we'll mention that along the way too. So if you're not necessarily someone who – feels like you have to own a car, and in these cities you probably shouldn't, uh, there's an alternate, or there always is an alternate. So one example of this would be Washington, D.C. Hmm. According yeah. to several rankings, it's it's often in the top 10 uh, best places to live list, right? Mm-hmm. But if you live there or even in the D.C. area, you're going to have terrible, horrific traffic. Oh, have you ever been to D.C.? You have been to D.C., yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, many times. And you yeah. sat in that traffic. You know exactly it's what insane. they're talking about. It, it says, they put it in this article, enraging traffic. And you're going to have to sit in that twice a day if you commute. Uh, you know, hardly anybody lives in downtown D.C., really. Right. Um, you always commute from the suburbs. And, and we're, you know, right in the outline area there, I guess. So even, even just those short distances, those short drives, you're going to be in the car for a long time. Um, I don't think we want to you know, quote, commute times for every single one of these cities as we go through. But uh, the average one-way commute time in Washington, D.C. is 34.3 minutes, which is among the longest in, of any U.S. city. So uh, they get worse from here, I guess, but um, <laughs> it's not necessarily the worst, if you want to put it that way. So these long commute times, that's one factor. Gas is expensive. Insurance is expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like uh, repairs are, are expensive as well. Like, Accidents are more common. Oh, I yeah. can verify that too. Uh-huh. Because one of the old uh, one of the old things I used to hear about DC often was uh, when my friends who were in the area because they worked for the feds or something, they would say. D.C. is the most dangerous place I've driven because so many people here have diplomatic immunity. (laughs) (laughs) Drive uh, with with free will, just whatever. I got to say, I wonder if there's some truth in that. I can't verify that at all. Free will? Did I use that right? I don't know. I guess just drive uh, not recklessly but uh, with abandon. How about that? Right, right. That's a better way to say it. How about drive with abandon? The embassy can give me another Lincoln. I'm going to triple park this car on the curb (laughs) and it will be fine. It's it, it is pretty uh, it is pretty insane. I actually there are some amazing, beautiful places outside of DC, but in DC, uh, I I rarely say this. I would typically prefer a cab. Hmm. No yeah, kidding. yeah. I I uh, if I had nothing to do for a day, 
I would enjoy driving around parts of New York. Yeah. But if I had nothing to do for a day in D.C., I would probably just hop on a cab because those – those streets are insane, man. Well, we told you we would suggest alternates for each one of these, right? Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. cab, I guess, would be one of them. Of course, you could take a cab. But that adds up. They suggest, get this, biking, which I don't think I would venture out onto those roads on a bike. I mean, I've, <laughs> been, I've been there. Um, and or bus or, you know, of course, there's a, a train there as well. They have a um, Metropolitan Area Transit Authority, you know, I guess both bus and train. That's who runs that one. So, um I don't know. You get a couple of options there, but again, biking. I don't think that's maybe your best option. I just it's not for everybody. I just don't feel it. No, I mean, I think it's a little bit too dangerous. That's the way I am. Though I don't like seeing bikes in traffic. It's hard. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it just seems like it's a bad fit. Um, all right, next one, Philadelphia. Yes, Philadelphia, home to the Liberty Bell, former capital of the United States. Named the city of brotherly love. Uh, word is still out on whether that is like a ironic or sincere nickname. <laughs> and it's just any way you look at it, it's not the best place to own a car. No, no, no. So insurance is expensive. Gas is expensive. They've got high taxes. So you noticing a trend here? I mean, it seems yeah. like in every one of these so far, you know, insurance, gas, uh, repairs, you know, maintenance, that kind of thing. Um, slow commute times, very slow commute times, nearly as slow as Washington, D.C., but just a little bit quicker. Um, very little parking. That's another factor that's, uh, that's big is that it's a congested city, densely populated, of course, mm-hmm. especially at certain times of day when people, you know, come into the city for work and then, you know, I guess while they're there all day. Um, very little parking is available. And um, they do offer a couple of alternatives, though, a lot like Washington, D.C., a lot like all of the other cities that we're going to talk, talk to you about. Um, they suggest that they have, you know, a light rail system that's pretty good. They have a bus uh, you know, bus transit system that's pretty good. And also, this is a, somewhat unique for this city. They say it's walkable. Right. Very, very walkable. Right. Once you're in uh, the, I guess, the downtown or major city center areas. That's the problem. You have to get downtown first. So if you don't live there, um, you know, if you if you live just outside, you have to come in for work or whatever. You need some way to get in. So you're probably going to take the bus in. But once you're there, you can then walk around. Um, maybe maybe this list is talking about you know people that actually live in Philadelphia proper. No. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, you don't need a car necessarily. It's a, if it's a walkable city. Yeah. Full disclosure: I have not visited Philadelphia yet, but I'm probably going to be. Up there in spring, hmm. I think spring or summer. I've Is got that right? Some, yeah, I got some friends who were uh, moving up Philadelphia way, and they they invited me. They invited me to drop by, and they're like, "Well, you know, I'm." thrifty scott so my question was is there a place i can crash or do i you know need to get a hotel room so i'm looking forward to uh the drive up there Mm -hmm. i would always rather drive if i have the time you know sure so we'll see you can uh, save that hotel money for cheesesteaks yeah, and apparently parking spaces. We'll see if I can find one. <laughs> well, that's good. Keep us uh, keep us up to date on that. If, uh, if you know you, you like it, you don't like it, you enjoy mm-hmm. walking around the city because it's walkable. Right, right. Supposedly, uh, of course. I'm you know I'm asking, I, I, and I want to hear from you uh, about this, folks. Anybody familiar with Philadelphia or currently residing in it, I would love to hear your advice because my friend is moving back up there. Uh, weirdly enough, all he does is complain about the city, and then he says it's awesome. <laughs> I think everybody does that about their own city a little bit, right? Right, yeah. I, I can't rag on it. Yeah. I can't even agree with him when he's, you know, uh, 
well, we're a family show. Let's say when he's whinging and moaning about it. <laughs> uh, but, but this, this is another common thing. Parking, uh, in the case of DC as well, I hated having to find a place to put a car. That was almost as bad as the traffic because mm-hmm. Washington DC has some of the most cartoonishly intricate parking rules and they're displayed on these signs that change and you have to like stand out there and sort of try to interpret what they mean. Mm-hmm. You Look know? at your watch to determine what time it is because it's changing in a half an hour. Right, right, yeah, right. I get you. Uh, and our next city on the list uh, is going to be no surprise to anybody and that is New York City. New York City! Sorry, I couldn't resist. It's one of the best commercials. I Everybody know. remembers that. <laughs> That's, you know, in the last 10 or so episodes, we've said that twice now. That commercial got me eating salsa. Anyway, uh, <laughs> point being. Long commute times, of course. As you can imagine, we're talking about downtown New York City, probably Manhattan. And I know that they're going to mention, you know, the uh, the other the other um, boroughs, you know, Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, you know, et cetera. Sure. But um, I think primarily we're talking about downtown New York, Manhattan area. Right. So everything's expensive. All the stuff we've mentioned before is higher than the national average. Oh, high taxes, high insurance premiums. You got expensive gas. You got very little parking. Yeah, long commutes. Long yeah. commutes. You know, because I mean, I've heard tales of of cars that you know they say they're in gridlock, and we we think we're in gridlock, right? I mean, we do roll ten feet and then wait. Sure. In Manhattan, you might roll the distance of like you know one rotation of your tire and then wait. And then get mobbed by 20 people just running out in the street because another thing that New York has uh, above, far above the national average uh, is a wealth of people. It has an extremely high population density and a lot of those folks may be tourists who are not practicing crosswalk rules. I mean, what am I saying, man? Last time I was in New York, I was totally jaywalking mm-hmm. left and right. It was very – it was like a Mad Max kind of situation. <laughs> it's because you know it's what, what I mean? you do there. Everybody does that there. I mean I've been there too. It seems like it's a, it's it's chaotic really at times, right? Yeah, and yeah. the the cab drivers have made their peace with life and they are not <laughs> they are not afraid of what comes after. You know <laughs> what just, I mean? They're just it's a blood sport. Dude, I've been in some pretty I've been in some cabs in some pretty rough areas and even in a nice part of New York in downtown Manhattan, you know, this guy is driving is making casual conversation with me uh, and, uh, while he's swerving across four lanes of traffic. Oh, oh boy. You know, it's, I, it's bad news. I would be interested to see one day I'm going to one day I'm going to nail down some pretty solid stats on cab drivers and accident rates. <laughs> Good luck. I think they keep those covered up a little bit. They probably want they, to. They probably have to. All yeah. right. So, you know, one thing that w- this kind of all feeds into and we haven't really even discussed this yet. Yeah. Stress. Driver, oh, yeah. driver stress plays a huge role in, uh, you know, whether the city is good to drive in or whether it's bad to drive in or whether, mm-hmm. you know, you, to own a car, I guess. If you want to take on the stress of commuting in a city every single day, um, you know, that's something that's not for everybody. Some people just can't take it. You know, it leads to road rage. It leads to just anxiety in general. You know, like you're, you're nervous about where you're going to park when you get downtown. You're nervous about um, leaving the car alone if there's a lot of theft and vandalism right. in the area. Um Stress is a huge part of this whole factor. So, you know, very stressful driving in the city. Again, we said high population density. That's another thing is that you're constantly 
you know, your head's on a swivel looking for, you know, somebody walking in front of you, somebody biking, you know, kind of splitting the lanes between you and the next car. Um, it, it's a stressful situation, but they do suggest there are alternatives, of course. And one of the suggestions or one of the maybe the one of the best suggestions in New York City is the subway. I mean, everybody knows about the New York subway. It's, it's right. a complex system. 21 lines. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a large, large system. You can get to just about anywhere you need to within the city via subway and then, you know, short walking distance. Uh, they have other options too. They have regular trains. Uh, they have ferry, the, a ferry that operates, of course. Um, uh, from Staten Island to Manhattan. Yes, I've taken that ferry, by, as a matter of fact. Yeah, it's a great um, ride. Just as a sightseeing thing, it wasn't really, it wasn't trying to get anywhere. You weren't going to work. No, no, no. But they also suggest again, again with the biking. Why do they have to say <laughs> biking? I, I just think it's a dangerous uh, situation to put yourself into in New York City, biking. But I know a lot of people do it. Yeah, but, but bike couriers it, have more success in traffic. Check out videotapes, uh, you know, videotapes, video <laughs> recordings. How about that? That's better, right? Video recordings. Of uh, some bike messengers in, in downtown New York, like Manhattan area, uh-huh. it's pretty crazy. Let's stay on the Eastern Seaboard as we visit the next city that I completely agree should be on this list and should never leave because part of me is still stranded trying to drive through the Big Dig. That's right, folks. Boston, mm-hmm. another major city that makes things terrible for drivers. Because you see, Boston uh, Boston was a booming metropolis uh, before the era of automobiles. Mm-hmm. So these, in many cases, these are streets designed for pedestrians and horses and carriages. Sure. Yeah, you got the old-time carriages and wagons going through the town, right? And it really didn't matter if it was laid out in an, in an efficient grid-like pattern, you know, north and south, right? Um, you know, east and west. It, it wasn't laid out in a manner that a lot of modern cities are laid out in, in a more logical way. There's no grid. Yeah. No north-south kind of grid like mm-hmm. Scott's mentioning. Yeah. Instead, what happens? Yeah, they got twisty, windy roads in the city that uh, that will just sometimes just end. They'll end at another road, and you don't know where to go from that point. Unless you are really familiar with the city, it's very complicated. It's very confusing. It reminds me a little bit of the Winchester Mansion, you know, yeah. that where uh, yeah. the uh, widow of the guy who invented the Winchester rifle believed she had to make this mm-hmm. crazy mansion for all the people who died due to the Winchester rifle. And there are stairs that just don't go anywhere. I, I saw there's a there's a movie poster. I went to see a movie recently, and uh, uh, there's a movie poster for a movie about the Winchester mansion. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I guess the sequel is going to be The Roads of Boston. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. But anyways, watch for that coming soon. So, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So they have this difficult road layout. I mean, it's not a north to south oriented grid like you might expect. Insurance is expensive, uh, as you would guess in that type of city, because you, you've been there, so you know. Yeah. I was there one evening. I know we've talked about this. I was there one evening, just kind of stopped in to have dinner on my way through there to somewhere else and picked the wrong time. It was rush hour. Um, I don't know if I've ever been that close to other vehicles for as long as, you know, outside of leaving maybe like a sporting event. Right, right. You know, where there's really no lanes, it seems. And you could reach out and touch the, the glass of the car yeah, next I, to you. Yeah, I swear to you, like we weren't in lanes and everyone was like a foot off of your car in all directions, you know, front, back, left side, right side, all the way around. And you're just trying to get, you know, to, to a parking spot, you're trying to get into a uh, parking structure or wherever, park outside of the, hopefully within the block of the restaurant that you're trying to get to. Right. Um, it's just, it's a, it was a really difficult uh, time to be there. And I know that you've had even more frustration when you went through that, that big dig construction project. Uh. 
I, we've talked about that too. Like <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was rough. I don't want to. I don't want to have to. Let's uh, not relive that it. Up you want to relive it? No, no, not this. <laughs> but I do want to give a little bit of good news about Boston after a word from our sponsors. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury, with a reveal unlike any other, as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer, Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. All right, here's what I think of as good news about Boston. The average commute time is just under 30 minutes, which is way lower than I thought it would be. And that's probably because I was there during extensive construction. That was probably it, yeah. But there's more good news, Ben. They suggest that if you uh, if you don't want to drive, you don't want to jump in the car every day and try to make that commute, the, uh, they have a uh, Boston subway system. But it's also a very old system, I guess, kind of a, a, an older uh, underground rail system. Um, they do suggest walking, but because the winters there are so brutal, it's not a possibility all of the time. You don't want to rely on being able to walk, you know, somewhere across town because it's just not possible. So um, <laughs> you got this old subway system, and hopefully that's good enough. And I'm sure they've got you know bus systems as well, but they don't even mention that as a as a possible option here. So I'm guessing that maybe it's not one of the best bus systems in town, right? Or in the states. You know, this next one on the list surprised me. Oh, uh, I don't know. This one did come up on the Wallet Hub as being one of the worst as well. Yeah. Um, it was. Uh, it was. The third worst on the Wallet Hub uh, thing uh, survey, and I guess it's uh, it's a little bit higher on this list if you want to look at it that way. So sure. yeah, I don't know. This this one really surprised you though, huh? 
I think it's just every time that I see Detroit on a list of something bad that's automotive related, I you know I feel a, a little bit sad. You would think it would be the best, wouldn't you? I mean, you think well, you that would it's, assume it's it's the Motor City. You would think that they would cater to automobiles and automobile owners and and drivers, and they kind of do. I mean, it's it's still it's not really so much that it's it's just that your insurance premiums are going to be extremely high due to theft and vandalism, as we've known. You know what's gone on in Detroit recently in the last. Gosh, 50 years or more. Yeah. <laughs> How long? Even longer than that, probably. Um, but they, they pay over double the national average for, uh, for insurance premiums. So that's one thing that makes it just horrible for car owners if you live in the city proper. And Michigan has something called no fault policies mm-hmm. that all people, all, all car drivers and owners must, must have. Yeah, right? sure. Uh, so this can make things more expensive in general. Gas is more expensive, also surprising. The commute isn't too bad, 26 and a half minutes. Uh, there's no, there's it's, no, it's a little bit longer than average. Not yeah, much. Not, not much. much. Yeah. Uh, it's, uh, it has no subway system, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. there's – there is a bus system, but what do you think of that, Scott? OK. I'll tell you what I think of that. Have you ever – well, no, you probably haven't. But um, imagine riding a city bus in downtown Detroit. I, I don't think – Many people would necessarily think that's a great idea to do that. Yeah, um, it's a it's a rough go. It really is. It's not. Eh, I'm trying to be gentle about this. Sure. And it, but it's a, it's a rough crowd that you encounter on the on urban the, blight. Yeah, you, you encounter on the city buses, and you go through some pretty rough areas. So um, that's kind of the, the way that stands right now. And that's always been the. It's not always been the case, but for a long time, that's been the case. And then we know that the uh, the trolley car uh, scandal uh-huh. that did away with. Any kind of trolley cars or rail cars that were, you know, electric cars that were running from the suburbs down to the D- Detroit center, like the city center. Um, we can – we've talked about that in the past, the trolley yeah, car scandal. Yeah. I think people know about that. Now, they do have something – they don't have a subway, but they do have an elevated uh, train. They call it the people mover. And mm-hmm. it's kind of a – it's almost kind of a joke among people that live oh, there. Oh, really? Yeah, it really is. Um, it's three miles. And it has 13 stations, and it goes to some of the major centers. You know, it goes to you know the Cobb Center, which or Cobo Center, I should say, which is the convention center. It goes to Joe Louis Arena, which now I don't know if it still goes there. They're tearing that down. Um, Greek Town, you know, the, the uh, Renaissance Center, some of the main, um, I, I guess you would call it, um, business hubs and uh, places that people go for recreation. Mm. You know, if you can imagine, uh, some people still go downtown for recreation, downtown Detroit. You know, there's still some areas that are, are nice to go and shop in and, you know, watch sporting events, things like that. I mean, it happens, but uh, not with such frequency that, you know, they need anything more than this, you know, short little people mover train to, to get people back and forth from where they need to go. And we're noticing as we explore these cities that all the cities who rank as worst or best – which we still haven't gotten to, have we? Yeah, we'll just laundry list those. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah because if you live in them, you already know. Uh, all the cities that are the worst have a lot of the same things in common. So I propose that we, you know, I propose we go through the next ones and just point out any any differences. Can I just say one thing here before we yeah, move yeah, on? Yeah. I feel like I have to stick up for Detroit a little bit here. I, it, I'm surprised you haven't. I, I have to. I mean, because I was saying some bad things, and some disparaging things about it right there, but it is on one of the worst lists, right? Yeah. So I had to say what, what is really making it a bad situation down there. There's a lot of good things about Detroit, too. So, take, you know, if you get a chance, look into it. There's some good things happening there as well. Um, all right. So let's move a little faster through uh, <laughs> through this. And I don't know why I felt I had to do that. I have to uh, I have to stand up for you're, you're a loyal guy. I, I guess. I mean... 
Anyway, so Chicago's next. Oh, yeah, the Chicago. Windy City. Yeah, the Windy Apple. No, wait. <laughs> the windy it's city. the Big Wind? Yeah, something like that. Uh, the, wind, the Windy City. Yeah, uh, again, gas, taxes, uh, fees on purchasing vehicles, all higher. All the fees Long are higher. Long commute times. Right. Very little parking. Uh, when you do find parking, it's very expensive. I know that from firsthand knowledge. Um, again, stressful. They have bad winters. They have bad roads in the spring because yeah. of those bad winters. Uh, so, you know, every spring you have to deal with, you know, the uh, the freeze-thaw situation that, that creates potholes and, and, you know, bad roads. So there's that to deal with. But they do have a couple of good options. Right. There's the L, which is the fairly expansive public train system. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are also bike lanes. <laughs> uh, why do they keep <laughs> forcing biking on us? Oh, man. You know, I have my bike at work here. Yeah, I know you do. Yeah. 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 But you don't venture out into the like actual deep part of the city. I mean, like where heavy traffic is and stuff, do you? Uh, not really. I, I, I like to bike around in the neighborhoods around here. Yeah, there's parks and there's all kinds of places yeah. to go. And, and lightly traveled roads versus, uh, you know, some of the really intense downtown parts. Like when they're talking about biking in Manhattan or biking in Chicago, I know that Chicago has some, some park areas as well, some outline sure. areas. And that's probably what they're talking about, I, I hope. Now we're going to a, a city on the list that may surprise some people, but I doubt it. Mm-hmm. A city that is home to apparently some of the worst drivers in the country. Yeah, that's according to U.S. News and World Report, though. Not not us. Not us. Not, not us. us. No, we not haven't us. done an official survey, but yeah, isn't that something? They have some of the country's worst drivers there, and uh, you know what that means? That means high insurance premiums for that area too, because you're likely to get in an accident if you drive in Miami. Yep, that's right. We're talking about Miami. Also has. Uh, all the all the greatest hits of worst cities to own a car in. It's got high taxes, very high population, high commute time, uh, just under twenty eight minutes on average. But generally good weather. That's a that's the plus column, right? Yeah, there you go. That's optimistic. Yeah, generally good weather. <laughs> yeah, outside uh, of the hurricane that hits there sometimes. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah, public buses, two train systems. But they don't uh, they don't go everywhere. Yeah. So in some cases, if you live in the burbs around the area, you're you're just going to have to have a car. Yeah, that's just kind of bad luck. I mean, two train systems, but none of them go out to the suburbs. So uh, yeah, you just you have to put up with the uh, with the daily commute. Um, moving on, West Coast again, Los Angeles. Now, yeah, uh, I, I would have thought Los Angeles would place even higher on this list, but it, it's very crowded. Of course, it's expensive. Uh, there's packed freeways, which are you know notoriously packed freeways, I guess. Um, however, this is a little bit weird. They have better commute times in L.A. than they do in New York and D.C., which is is strange because we hear so much about uh, how difficult traffic is in Los Angeles. I mean, even Saturday Night Live made a bunch of skits that continually return to that as a joke in the Californians. Oh, sure. Trying to uh, detail their way around town like with too much detail, right? Right. Yeah. But you, <laughs> For everybody else. But a lot of people, the average person does feel like they must be a car owner to live in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and it becomes a very expensive proposition. Yeah. Because of high gas prices, high insurance. Mm-hmm. They pay – oh, get this – 61% higher than the national average for insurance. 61%. That's pretty high. Um, they have expensive repairs and maintenance as well. Uh, there's alternates, though, as you might guess. Sure. Yeah, you can ride the metro rail to work if it happens to 
hit the area where your where your job is at. Well, it's likely that it will. I mean, there's 93 stations in the greater LA area. So mm-hmm. uh, 93 stations, that's an awful lot of stations for um, this metro rail system. So if you do happen to have that, you're in good shape. If not, uh, you're commuting with the rest of us. And Los Angeles is not on a list that we found of best places to live. But San Francisco is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and look, San Francisco beautiful town. No secret that the weather in California is wonderful. Uh, And San Francisco does rank, you know, consistently in the top 10 of places to live, except for the fact that it is insanely expensive. And uh, I think a pretty recently, a few years back, uh, San Francisco became home to uh, the most expensive, you know, um, real estate. More so than Manhattan. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I knew it was expensive. I didn't know it was that expensive. Well, they can't. They can't build anything else because they have zoning laws. Oh. They got. Uh, you know, they're they're bounded in by the bay. Yeah, uh, geography binds them. I guess is what you're saying, right? Yeah. I mean, so, uh, gas is expensive. Insurance is expensive. Although, <laughs> now I say only. Although insurance is only 32 percent above the national average compared to Los Angeles, where it was 61. So 32 percent higher for um, for anybody in San Francisco. Those residents they're they're paying for insurance. And again, you know, it's a great place to live. It's beautiful and all that. Right. Um, it, but it's not for everybody. And one surprise to me, Ben, was that they have longer commute times than Los Angeles does. So it seems, it seems like the L.A. commute is not all that bad, really. You hear always hear about how bad it is, but it's right. not as bad as New York, not as bad as D.C., not as bad as uh, as San Francisco even. Um, must be an efficient system in some way. I mean, they just have such a volume of cars mm. to get through there. Uh, they do have... However, a couple suggestions to get around San Francisco. Now, one of them I think is funny, the trolleys. The trolleys have a limited run. You know, there's, <laughs> that's mostly for the tourists, I think. And, you know, of course, it goes down to the financial district, I believe. Sure. Uh, so you can use it for that. Uh, they do suggest walking and biking in the city, which would be very difficult. It's a hilly, it's hilly terrain. I've done that in the past, visiting some friends. It was awful. Um, <laughs> and then of trying course, to bark. Trying to bike in San Francisco. That was ridiculous. I would rather walk. I almost had a heart attack and I was only about 20 years old. Oh, really? No, I mean, it felt that way. I mean, yeah. it was just ridiculously difficult. Yeah, and BART. You mentioned BART. That's the Bay Area Rapid Transit System. Um, they've got more than one line, too. They've got six lines and 45 stations. So you can pretty much get around town that way if you need to. And the last one on our worst list, Ben. Uh-huh. And then we'll just quickly go through the best. Sure. Um, Seattle. Yes, yes, Seattle. Seattle, Washington. Um, it's also consistently ranked as one of the best places to live. But it has a problem in addition to the more expensive rates of everything across the board to one degree or another. Uh, Seattle is in the position of having um, choke points. Due to the bridges, it's la- it's wedged between the Puget Sound and Lake Washington, so there are only a few bridges that uh, can accommodate the traffic of a major metropolis. So here. this is another geography situation, right? It's it's kind of trapped in between these uh, these two bodies of water. Um, so interesting that uh, you know that's one thing that leads to extra congestion. You know the the few bridges. I think if anybody has visited you know barrier islands or anything like that, you know down in Florida or any island really, mm-hmm. you you know that the the trouble that goes along with that. You know try everybody trying to get back and forth across that one bridge or maybe you know even if it's two or three bridges, it's still very difficult at certain times of day. So I completely understand that. But they're adding um, you know of course high cost for repairs, gasoline. Um, it's, uh, 
you know, like difficult city to get around, I guess, but it's a beautiful city. I mean, if you, if you're into it for the natural beauty, the natural scenery, you know, if you're, you're okay with that long commute and just kind of staring out the window at, uh, at how pretty it is in Seattle, that's fine. <laughs> but I think a lot of people get a little bit frustrated with, you know, the longer commute times. Um, they do suggest biking to work, of course. Of course. Of course. Why could we not end this list with another biking suggestion? Oh man, this is really getting um, to you. <laughs> They have, of course, public bus and, and light rail as well. So, you know, those are two other options. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's an extensive list. And, you know, what I said at the early part of this, you know, it, it was based on a different criteria than our other list. And that's why it's completely different, you know, with the, um, uh, the, you know, the commute times, the fuel prices, the insurance prices, the taxes, the maintenance costs, uh, population density, stress, all that, you know, factors into today's list. And, uh, and I promise you we'd talk about the best U.S. cities, uh, <laughs> to drive a car in, and we should just go ahead and list these off. And now I said these were completely different from the Wallet Hub study right. list. So the, yeah. the, the best and worst were completely different. So, um, the best cities to drive a car in. Raleigh, North Carolina, Charlotte, North Carolina, Cincinnati, Ohio, Cleveland, Ohio, Kansas City, Missouri, St. Louis, Missouri, Denver, Colorado, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Birmingham, Alabama, and Richmond, Virginia. Yeah, Richmond, Virginia, I can personally vouch for. And you've probably, if you're a fan of road trips, you've probably driven through several of these. You right? know, the only one that matches up with, matched up with our uh, Wallet Hub study was mm-hmm. Raleigh, North Carolina. That was number 10 on their list, mm-hmm. and the rest weren't even on the list at all. Which is had, strange. Yeah, we had some a lot of places that were in the uh, southwest. We had, you know, places from Texas and Arizona, um, just kind of rounding out. The, they had a lot of places from Texas and Arizona on that list. So um, just a, a different list altogether because of the different criteria. Another thing I saw that is, is pretty fascinating is that the best cities to drive in seem to change more rapidly than the worst cities. Is that right? Because it's tougher to improve. I think it's it might be easier to decline. Right. I think you're. I think you're right. And then also on the state level, uh, the improvements or um, the the improvements or the disrepair of states seems to also take a a longer time frame. Hmm. Interesting. You know? yeah. So right now, if you live in New Hampshire. Uh, you're, it's safe to say you're going to be one of the most fortunate car owners in the United States for a while. Yeah, cost-wise. Cost-wise. And if you live in Hawaii or Alaska, it's just, it's not going to get better. No, it's beautiful, but uh, but yeah, it's going to be expensive for you. Right. But I, I would hope you know a lot of people have adjusted to that going in. And it's strange that you and I and our super producer Tyler. Uh, are in a are in a relatively good position. I mean, we're not in the catbird seat of car owners, but Georgia is not that bad. Yeah, we're always somewhere in the middle, which always surprises me because traffic is just so maddening here. Mm-hmm. It I, really is. I would love for Georgia to have some sort of uh, superlative in here. Even <laughs> hopefully one of the good ones, but uh, mm-hmm. hopefully not one of the worst ones. Uh, I do want to say one one statistic that we should mention. Uh, Fresno, California. I think we may have mentioned this previous episode, but I want everybody to know Fresno, California 
is one of the uh, worst cities that you'll see pop up sometimes. I don't know if we got to it in our last episode. No, we did not. It's for a very simple reason. In addition to all the California fees and taxes and higher price of gas, Fresno, California is often and repeatedly the car theft capital of the United States. Ah, I see. Okay. So drive so, through it, but you know, don't park overnight. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't stop. Don't mm. stop. No, you can you can stop there, I guess, but uh, don't try to buy insurance there because it's going to be sky high. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not. It, it it is a true statistic, but I'm not saying that your car will instantly be stolen if you park it. I'm just I'm just saying though the maybe, numbers are there. Maybe like when you go in the restaurant, sit where you can see your car. Yeah. Maybe that's a suggestion. I do that anyway. I do that too. I try to <laughs> if I can. My wife thinks I'm crazy. I like uh, to do that. Yeah, it's good. It's good to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to conclude our episode. I know we went a little long, but we thought we thought it was interesting how changeable these things can be and how every city while they have these common factors making them the best or the worst place, how they all have their own unique fingerprints, right? Sure. That um, in many cases will never change. There's usually one or two standout you know, uh, situations, I guess. Not mm-hmm. situations, but, but factors mm-hmm. that make it the worst. Like the 61 percent – uh, increase in, in insurance oh in Los Angeles. Yeah. That, that's a standout for them. The theft and vandalism in Detroit, that makes it a standout because it's mm-hmm. significantly higher than in other places on this list. So there's usually one thing, if you, if you read between the lines on some of this, you'll find that, you know, one thing is worse than the other. And with that, we do hope you enjoyed this episode and we want to hear from you. What's the weirdest thing about where you drive? You know, does does your city or does your town or does your your state have some strange quirk that uh, we outsiders wouldn't be hip to? Yeah, I mean, even if this is like a one stoplight town, just tell us about it. We're interested in you know what makes every city different, and uh, and and tell us what uh, you know what unique experiences you have on your on your daily commute. You know, whether it's <laughs> <laughs> having to dodge uh, you know. Uh, herds of elk on the road, you know, if right. you're in a remote area <laughs> or or if it's, uh, you know, like like in Manhattan or something where, you know, your drive to work is three miles, but it takes you 45 minutes. Holy smokes. Or something yeah. like that, you know, or longer even. Yeah, so we want to hear from you. Scott and I are going to hit the road today. We will be back very soon. In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and our brand new Instagram, where you can see all sorts of stories from uh, not just us, but also your fellow listeners. Uh, and some of them may make it to the air. So consider that a way to get behind the curtain a little bit. Uh, You can find every episode that uh, we have ever, ever done in the history of our show on our website, carstuffshow.com. And, of course, you can write to us directly. We are carstuff at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Let us know what you think. Send an email to podcast at HowStuffWorks.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer, Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order.